Hey everyone, uh, welcome. My name is Mark Sedembrino. I'm a sociology professor here at Southeastern, and we decided to start a podcast. And so this is going to be our introductory episode of Sociology Unmasked. And I'm joined with uh, my colleague and friend, uh, Dr. David Burley. And so uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about sociology, a little bit about what we do today. Um, and what the plans are for the podcast. And so, David, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is our uh, brainchild to, like, you know, let's do a let's do a podcast and just talk about some cool and interesting stuff. You know, that hopefully everybody else will find cool and interesting. Um, David Burley, I'm an environmental sociologist. This is my thirteenth year at Southeastern. Uh, fall of 2021. Um, you know, I do a lot. Uh, what I'm, I guess, what I'm most interested in is connecting with students and getting them prepared to go out and do more of the good work around environmental issues, uh, from sustainable agriculture to environmental racism to policy work that we that we need. Right, you know, and all that stuff is related. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And, you know, the we're we're filming this in on what is it? It's November twelfth today, mm -hmm. and so we've been hearing so much about the COP twenty six, the the big climate. Yeah, um, so, if you've been watching the news, you know, you're hearing a lot about climate change and and how much um, you know we need to do, and especially in a state like Louisiana where we have. You know, we've had a, a land loss issue for a while now, um, and we're starting to see, you know, more hurricanes and more intense hurricanes. And that's one of the things that I study. You know, I study sociology of disasters, and I'm very interested in how communities are affected by um, what at one point we would think of as acts of God, right? Like the, the insurance company definitely wants you to think of a hurricane as like an act of God, right? Um, but in reality, yeah, we have these natural phenomenon and the way that we build our communities shape the way that we're going to be able to respond to them. And so, you know, I know, David, you live in New Orleans and it's like every time it rains in New Orleans, people are putting their car on the neutral ground. You're, you're afraid that you're going to flood from just a rainstorm. Where I grew up in Florida, that's not a problem, you know, <laughs> um, or historically it wasn't a problem, right? And so, you know, um, our relationship to the environment is so important. And I think it's something that a lot of us take for granted, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially in a state we call ourselves, what are we, sportsman's paradise for like the, the outdoor state. Um, the, the natural environment is so important to us culturally um, and also has such an important effect on the way that we live our lives. Yeah, you make such a great point, you know, and, and the rain events, you know, are you know, it's not just uh, it's not just a feeling that people have, right? That they're the data is behind it. You know, uh, in, in uh, LSU reported that April, May, and June all broke records for rainfall in Louisiana of this year. Right, all broke for total month rainfall. 
and I just haven't heard about July. I probably just missed it. I haven't heard about July and August, uh, but that was probably the case for those months too, especially at the height of, uh, you know, what we're now, since we are moving from a subtropical climate, we are in the midst of moving from a subtropical climate to a tropical climate. I guess we can just start calling it monsoon season now. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I mean, and, you know, you got the, you have the, uh, you know, it's funny with the COP26 and everything because before all, uh, or maybe three years ago and before, it was kind of looked at as climate change is, or we all thought of collectively as climate change that was something in the future, right? Future oriented. And I think in the past, definitely in the past year, maybe the past couple of years, I think that for more and more of us, and as the data supports the feeling we have, that we're, no, it's, it's here now, you know, and it's, and you can't even say it's the new normal because that normal is going to be constantly changing and not for the better. You know, so, you know, and then with, with our coast, you know, you have this really recipe for disaster, uh, pun intended, uh, for, you know, you got the, the, the sea level rising because the, because the oceans are trapping more carbon dioxide and they're absorbing more heat that makes water expand. So the, the ocean is rising. And I think over the past 50 years, it has the Gulf has actually risen uh, several inches, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is when you're talking about, uh, you know, land relative to water. And you got our coast disappearing right and you got the land so from erosion and you got it sinking from subsidence right so it's it's just not a good look yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's and it's not just a louisiana issue right so all of the gulf states and really um you know i'm i'm originally from florida and you know miami is is sinking uh miami has saltwater inundation in the streets during high tides and especially when the high tides coincide with the full moon, it's not even rain that's flooding the streets. It's it's salt water from the ocean coming into the streets. In Tampa, they're having um, similar issues with um, the rise of the Gulf contributing to flooding issues during rain. Because in Louisiana and in in, in many places, the the drainage systems are all gravity drainage, right? And so it means that. The water goes into a uh, pipe somewhere or into a ditch. We've got all these ditches along the sides of the road in Hammond, right? And then the idea is that that water is going to just flow out to sea. Well, if the sea levels have risen, uh, there's it's going to be harder for the water to get there. Um, and so we're seeing more flooding in our communities. And that's been an, an issue that came up at COP26 as well, that you know, in the United States, our experience of climate change is much different than in places like Indonesia, um, which are um, seeing entire islands um, disappearing, right, um, where people live. And so it's it's a it's a global phenomenon for sure. Um, but our conversations kind of <laughs> this is what sociologists do, right, y'all? We can we yeah. can just kind of talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, our conversation drifted a little bit. We'll come back to some of these topics. But David, I'm wondering. You know, 
Um, one of the questions that that we get a lot from students is we get questions about majors and and things like that. But I'm wondering, like, what was your major in college, and like, oh, when did yeah. you decide to be a sociologist? Yeah, like, yeah. Those are so, stories. so I was in high school, and you know, I had these general interests about people and what makes them tick, right? And about the world, right? And so. I get into college and I'm from here, so I was going to and and my dad early on told me that I am not paying for you to go out of state, you know. So it was either, you know, and I, so it was wound up being UNO because I didn't, I don't know, for some reason. I, oh yeah, he wasn't going to pay for housing for LSU, which okay, that's good. I'm glad I didn't go to after all this, you know. I'm glad I didn't go to LSU. But so I get into UNO and I'm taking some psych classes, right? And guys, I'm gonna really date myself here. This is the late 80s, uh, 88, 89, and I'm taking some psych classes and they're okay, you know, but they're not really doing it for me, you know? And, uh, and I took a sociology class 101 and, and it was like the light went on, you know? I was like, okay, these people, or they, these people are giving voice uh, to some of the things that I have an inkling about in my head, or that I thought um, might be going on and how the world works. Uh, they're giving voice to that and they have proof, right? Through research, right? So it was like, it was like, no, it, it just clicked, you know, and, uh, and that was it, you know, I, st I changed my major and started taking uh, those classes. And, you know, uh, in school, I was, you know, I was really, uh, I wanted knowledge, you know, and, and, and that may be part of my rebellious spirit. Like, I was like, I'm not gonna go to school just to get a job, you know, because, you know, I don't know, I hated authority already, <laughs> you know, as a little punk rock kid and, you know, so I just, yeah, you know, so I was like, I'm not just going to go to get some freaking job that I'm not going to like, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, and I didn't even know what I was going to do with a sociology degree. I just knew, hey, man, I'm in college. I'm living that life. And I'm just going to going to live the life of the mind for a little while. Yeah, that's 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 maybe a little bit different from my uh, my trajectory. Right. Um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, like, like I was like six years old telling people I was going to be a lawyer. I don't know where that came from, but I was going to be a lawyer. And so, you know, when you're in high school, they start to tell you like, you know, if you want this career, this is what you should do. And so I went to college. I started as a political science major because I was going to be a lawyer. And, um, you know, somewhere along the way, I signed up for a social problems course. And like, I'm, I was joking about it and stuff, right? I'm like, oh, I'm taking social problems because I am a social problem and <laughs> ha ha ha. And I, I went in the first day of class. Um, and actually my first sociology professor is one of our former colleagues, Rebecca Hensley. Uh, so if anyone remembers Rebecca, Rebecca was my first sociology professor back in Florida. And my first reaction was this lady's nuts, right? Because she like stood up in the front of the room and just like, came at us with all these statistics, like just like, just letting us know how messed up our world was. And I was like, you know, she's nuts, but she's right. And 
she's giving me a language to start to explain the things that I've been seeing in the world, right? Like I wanted to be a lawyer to um, improve society, to help people, right? And so kind of got hooked and I was like, okay, I'll take another sociology class and then, well, maybe I'll minor in sociology. <laughs> and then eventually I just like decided to change my major. Um, but my plan was still, I wanted to be a lawyer, right? I like have this very career focused idea of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and as you can see, I'm not a lawyer now. <laughs> I'm a sociology professor. And that happened because uh, towards the end of my undergraduate career, I started working in juvenile justice. And so I worked at the juvenile assessment center, which is like super burnout work. You're dealing with kids who've just been arrested, um, determining whether or not they get to go home or if they have to be held overnight and see the judge. It's, it's really intense work to do that. And then I did that work for a little bit. And then I started working for a juvenile diversion program or the office was called juvenile diversion programs. It was things like teen court, um, some folks may be familiar with. Um, and so I worked in the judicial system. I worked closely with judges and, and lawyers, and I quickly realized that that was not going to be the career for me. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I really like sociology. Let's see what happens if I get a master's degree and then liked it in the master's degree and got a PhD and here I am today. So. Like, when was it, David, that you think you kind of like went beyond just I'm going to major in sociology to, to like I'm going to be a sociology professor? How did that come to be for you? You know, I, I think it just I think maybe by. By the time I got to graduation, maybe by in somewhere in my senior year of, uh, of my B.A., and I, again, you know, I was kind of a lackadaisical guy. It took me six and a half years to get my MBA. I, I stayed around a long time. Um, uh, yeah, somewhere around there, it clicked that, okay, I'm going to do this. And it's funny, uh, you know, what I got my, so I went straight into the master's program and I did that in two and a half years. And then I was like, yeah, you know, I've been in school forever. I should actually go get a real job for a little while, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, uh, I was like, all right, I'll go teach, you know? Um, and and I think there is this commonality between uh, sociologists as well as lots of other uh, people though, um, where, you know, yeah, I wanna help people. I'm gonna do something that's gonna help people, the world, whatever. Right, I want to be useful in some sort of way, um, and I think uh, you know society gives us uh, our culture gives us so few examples of what that is. Is that yeah, you know, I mean, you watch Law and Order, right? I'm going to go be a lawyer, or I'm going to be a social worker, I'm going to be, you know, uh, you know, some sort of cop or whatever. Yeah, you know, work in law enforcement in some way, you know. So it gives us these few, very few examples, and. And then, you know, we find something like sociology that we didn't even really know existed, right? And the world sort of opens up. And then, and then once you get more experience, right, you find out that there are tons of different ways, right, that, that to, to, to help people to be useful that, that just don't make for good TV ratings, right? <laughs> you know, so, you know, so... Um, but it, then I, the, with the uh, 
so I went, and this is, I'll tell this story uh, real quickly. I went to teach and I got, um, I was in New Orleans. And so I applied to the St. Bernard uh, Parish uh, school system. And so the first, the first job I had was in the poorest school in St. Bernard called PGT Beauregard. And it was out in Violet, St. Bernard, right? And it was kind of, uh, kind of near the communities I would later research for my uh, research on coastal land loss. But, right, you know, 90% black, right? And so, you know, but the, te the principal was really this kind of new, not super young, but progressive guy, and I had done my my uh, dissertation. I mean, my master's thesis on whiteness and race, right? And whiteness as an as as a you know identity, right? And so he hired me, and I didn't have any teaching experience, but he was like, you know, uh, because of my background in race, right? And most of the teachers at the school were white. And I'm white. So, <laughs> and then, but I got into that school and it was in, uh, they uh, asked me to do special ed. And at the time, and probably still, you know, they want males to do special ed, right? Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother thing, right? So, but he was a really supportive uh, principal and they had us do an inclusion, which is where the special ed students are in the same class with the regular students. So I was in there with the regular, with the special ed students, and the and the teacher was in there as uh, the reg, the teacher with the regular students was in there as well. So we really had two teachers in there. That worked out great. I did a year there, and then St. Bernard cut their budget, and so the school with the most need they wound up taking teachers away from, put me at a different school, at a middle school where they had, uh, where they kept all the special ed kids isolated from the rest of the student population, right? And they wanted me to do that too. And it was a horrible, horrible, horrible mess. Lots of violence, lots of trauma. And, you know, isolating these kids just makes them act out more, but also reinforces the administration to, we need to keep them away from the other kids, right? The good, normal, white kids anyway so comes february and these are middle school kids and i start teaching about black history right and uh and the principal gets pissed right and this is in 2000 right and he's like he's 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 like you're causing trouble you know <laughs> you're you're by teaching people about their own history or and and the just general contribution of African Americans to uh, the US and teaching them more truthful versions of history, I was causing trouble. So yeah, he was threatening to fire me and all sorts of stuff, not just about that, but some other stuff I was causing. So I was like, you know what, it's time for my ass to get back in school and go get, get out of here and go get that PhD. So that was that was, that's the, uh, yeah, that's how that happened for me. Wow. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot in there. There is. Um, there's, there's a lot in there. Um, but what I think, you know, it kind of speaks to as well, and this is something that, that, you know, we've, we've talked about before is that, um, your life changes, right? <laughs> like, like, um, it, so much of education these days, it's like, you know, 
like 17, 18 year old kids, y'all are, are like being told, like, pick something and do it. Right. Um, and even when you finish school, like you start, you, you went and you started teaching and you, you maybe realized that uh, the environment that you were teaching in wasn't going to be the place for you to do what you wanted to do. And I think um, in our society as a whole, we don't always get a lot of flexibility like that. <clears throat> you know, there's this idea. <clears throat> Sorry. You know, one of the, we're, we're going to talk about the pandemic in a minute, but I'm not used to talking a lot anymore, you know? And, and so it's like right. when I have days when I'm talking a lot, uh, my voice is like, what's happening here? Um, and so, yeah, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in life. And I really encourage my students to be open to that, right? Like, it's okay if you change your major. It's okay if you you get out of school and you get a job and you realize, whoa, this isn't what I want to do. It's okay to go back, right? Like, like no one says that you have to to like you know do the one thing that you do one thing that you hate forever. You have the ability to change your mind, um, and I think that's that's really important. Uh, we talked a little bit about how we came to be uh, sociology professors or how we we got to where we are, but. We haven't really talked about what is sociology and that's like a big question that we get i mean if i had a, a dollar every time somebody asked me what is sociology i wouldn't have to be a professor anymore so david like what is what is sociology to you how do you answer that question gosh you know see, man see you stumped me. <laughs> I don't get, I always get the question. And now I get the question, or I used to get that question. Now I get the question, what's environmental sociology? So oh, I'm yeah, yeah. to that one. But sociology, I guess it's, it's the, it's, it's studying how people are affected by society writ large, right? The institutions of society but also how people shape those institutions, yeah. right? So how the economy shapes each and of, uh, each and one of, uh, each of all of our lives, as well as how we in turn shape the economy to operate the way it does and which we can also change it, right? And everything is in constant change and flux, right? It's all process. So yeah, that's my simple answer. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got tired of having to come up with an answer on the spot. So, so I actually, I, I use Du Bois, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, really famous black sociologist. Uh, well, today he's a really famous black sociologist, but historically, um, mainstream sociologists tried to suppress him and his work. Um, so, you know, people think sociology's got it all figured out. We don't. We're, we're trying to work out our history. But Du, du Bois describes uh, sociology as the study of human action. And so I like to start from there. Like, what do people do, right? I um, like that. That's a great. And yeah. from that, then we can start to think about how do the relationships that we have shape what it is that we do? How does the social structure, meaning the, the economy that we exist in, the laws in our society, maybe particular cultural beliefs, how did that begin to shape the things that we do? I mean, like, if you think about how weird it is that universities even exist in the first place right like like we have these these buildings that we spend a ton of money um to to build and create and it's they sit empty a lot right <laughs> but they're these places where individuals go to learn 
Um, that's a very unique and, and interesting thing and in that that only exists in a particular type of society that needs highly trained workers, right? So we live in, in this post-industrial society where individuals need advanced education and also there's an entire industry that's built around universities, right? And so uh, as sociologists, we can begin to, to really examine and critique even our own institutions, right? Like this, this, the, the university as an idea, um, where does that fit into the world these days? And, and um, you know, what are the, the benefits and consequences of it? Um, so really that's where I go with, with sociology, right? Study of human action. What are people doing, right? Um, and that's a really descriptive way to start. And oftentimes, you know, pure sociologists, we wanna to get to the theoretical. And so once we start thinking about like, what are the relationships that are involved between people? How does that shape their action? Um, then we can get, I guess, to maybe a, a, you know, framework and we can plug that in in different places, right? Environmental sociology, we're thinking about human action in relationship to <laughs> the the quote unquote natural world, although humans are our nature too, right? And so, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. A problematic uh, concept in and of itself, right? Yeah. So, why is it important to study sociology? Why should we? Why should we? Uh, why should people major in sociology? What? What's? What's the? Hmm. The value. Why, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, definitely to you know my first my the first thing that comes to my mind that just pops into my head is to make change, right? That's that's it, you know, to make change, to keep the good, to enhance on the good, to make things better, right? To, uh, you know, I mean, our, uh, you, you know, we don't want to be Debbie Downers, right? There are, are good things, right? But we want to, you know, there's a lot to fix, right? And especially if we think about this idea of democracy, right? You know, that, it's, that it is a process and that it's something that we constantly need to strive to make perfect with the realization that that can never happen, right? Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I mean, I think if you asked anyone <laughs> these days, like, are there things that could be fixed in your community, your the the place you work, the the country you live in? I think there most of us can identify a few things, right? That that we would we would want to fix or change in our in our in our world. Um, and so I think that's something that that's common to most people, right? Is that that um, there there's a challenge, and I think one of the things that happens in sociology, right, is that sociologists can really identify um, some of the big challenges that exist in our society. You know, things like poverty, food insecurity, um, homelessness, housing precarity. Um, our, um, our sociology honor society, the AKD, they just did a study of food insecurity on campus, right? And looking at students who are unable to meet their basic food needs, right? Um, and so sociology can get this reputation of, of really being like depressing because it's identifying a lot of the challenges that are, are present in society, you know, and I think David, you and I probably take the same approach of like, okay, we've identified this as a challenge and now that's an opportunity to think about, 
well, what's causing that? You know, why why is it that there are students on our campus that don't have enough food to eat? Like, why is it that our campus has a food pantry? Well, it's not just our campus. It's actually a nationwide issue right now mm -hmm. um, that students are going hungry. What's causing that, right? Mm -hmm. And how do we begin to find solutions to do it? And I think that's um, the opportunity, you know, the importance of sociology is once we identify the issue, we can start to think about the solutions. Mm -hmm. Maybe as sociologists, we're not always as good of, of coming up with all of the solutions, but I don't I don't know that it's, you know, any one individual's to come, responsibility to come up with that, right? So I, I always say, no, we need more people. We need people with really creative, you know, ideas who are willing to try new things to, to begin to think about how do we do this differently? Because as we've mentioned, our climate has changed. The world that we live in is going to look different and we can't just keep doing what we've been doing for 30 years right and so by majoring in sociology you begin to understand all of the factors that influence what we're experiencing in our world today you begin to understand you know what's the economic aspect of this what's the political aspect of it how does race affect this issue that we're talking about so that we can begin to build strategies that are gonna support everyone right or or make life easier um for more folks right um you know maybe i'm i'm just one of those liberal professors you know i, I tell my students i believe everyone deserves dignity and respect i believe everyone deserves to have food housing clothing like all the things that you need i believe that you should have access to those and so how do we create a society that helps you get access to it right does that mean maybe we have you get paid more at work, or does that mean uh, that we have some sort of program, government subsidy that helps you get the things that you need? Right? We've got there's so many options to addressing our 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 problems, um, and so I think that's one of the the really important things and cool things about sociology. Um, but I, you know, I'm someone who chose to do this as a profession. Gee, <laughs> you know, silly, silly man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 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 No, I mean, you, you, you know, you make so many uh, good mm -hmm. points, you know, and I mean, and it's interesting, right? Because we're seeing, you know, we're seeing so much of sociology now that I, at least that I'm noticing leak into mainstream society much more than I can ever remember before. You know, I mean, it was always, some of it was there, but certainly within the past three, four years, you know, I mean, intersectionality is now like common to speak about, right? Uh, the, the redlining and blockbusting, you know, of, uh, you know, of, of keeping uh, African-Americans out uh, of neighborhoods, right? That processed by the federal government and then supported by the whole real estate industry and profited off of it right like i would teach that all the time in my class but now it's like you know turn on the radio or the tv and like they're talking about that on the news it's like wow you know like that kind of stuff is now is you know is is now common right um and it's just so interesting to see uh, all that stuff, you know, really become uh, part of just the popular consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, it, we're seeing institutions start to recognize how important the sociological perspective is, right? So, so 
you know, we could beat up Facebook all day long, right? <laughs> we, we could we could really criticize Facebook and 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 I just pulled Facebook out as an example. But organizations like Facebook regularly hire sociologists because they know that sociologists are capable of thinking and of all of these different aspects of social life that can help them organizationally be a better place to work, yeah. be, you know, hopefully a better company that, that, that yeah. doesn't uh, cause harm in people's lives, right? And you don't have to have a PhD in, in sociology to do these this kind of work um, within organizations. And so there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, and a lot of contribution that, that sociology makes uh, to the world. Um, one of the things I was hoping we would talk about today um, is, you know, maybe taking our, our sociological perspective and, and maybe what can sociology tell us about Hurricane Ida? That's something that's been really, um, that's the big local news. We'll let, we'll let the pandemic rest today. We won't talk about the pandemic, yeah. but here locally, uh, you know, what, you know, as an environmental sociologist, you know, what, what do we know or what do we learn from Hurricane Ida? Yeah. Well, you know, I just, uh, you know, just today, or maybe it was yesterday, I heard that, you know, Ida was the, is the most expensive uh, disaster that Louisiana has faced, right? More than Hurricane Katrina, right? And so I think that really speaks uh, to tying it back to climate change, right? As these things become more common and more frequent, not just here, but across the U.S., Right. Um, I mean, look what happened in New York. Right. Uh, from Ida. Right. Which was just a lot of rain by the time it got there. Right. And well, which is even more interesting because usually by the time those storms get that far north, they're not much of anything. Mm -hmm. Right. But it retains so much uh, uh, water. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, you know, even if you're someone from Iowa or whatever, that's like, whatever, you know, I don't believe climate change or it doesn't matter to me, or I don't really care about all the people that are affected or they have to do that for themselves or whatever. You know, these disasters run the risk of really bankrupting the country, right? How many billions of dollars, right, can you keep spending on these disasters, right? Um, because they're really expensive, right? They're really, 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 really expensive when you have to provide new housing, you have to build, basically build cities and communities back, you know? And, you know, and even though it's a lame attempt, you know, you have to try to give people their lives back. You know, we're not even doing that good of a job at it, of it. Yeah. And it's still uber expensive, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, even if you're not, even if you're sort of a cold, just a numbers person, right? That's uh, a reason to be concerned about this, you know. For sure. I mean, and, and locally, like I've heard a lot of, I've seen a lot of news locally about how much Ida has cost insurers in Louisiana. Um, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a homeowner. Um, my house, luckily, zero damage. Ida didn't do much to my house. 
Um, but I just got a letter from my homeowner's insurance company that my uh, premium is increasing 55%. Yeah. And I had no claims, right? So it's like, how is that fair, right? Mm -hmm. These insurance companies are going to, you know, spread out the risk. And so, yeah. um, you know, that is a very real and human consequence of these the disasters that we're seeing. So much of my work within sociology of disaster has been on homelessness and, and housing issues. And Ida has wiped out housing really from Grand Isle um, up to the Mississippi line for a lot of people. And so like locally here in Hammond, I mean, folks here in Hammond are like, oh, we've never had a storm this bad. And it's true. Hammond never had a storm this bad because usually after the storm makes landfall, it it weakens very quickly. But Hammond had category two um, sustained hurricane force winds and housing stock in Hammond is extremely limited. There's, there's no place to rent. I'm working with um, an organization called the Disaster Justice Network. And um, the Disaster Justice Network was founded after um, Hurricane Laura, Delta and Zeta last year to help folks in Lake Charles. There are people in Lake Charles who still don't have a safe place to live um, because of all sorts of reasons uh, when it comes to the hurricane and then insurance issues, or maybe they didn't have insurance. Um, but now we're seeing on the coast, there's a lot of issues as well. And in particular among indigenous groups, right? So along the coast, uh, there are several several different tribes, um, oh including the, the Isle de Jean Charles um, tribe, who are like the, the nation's first climate refugees, right? Who, who've lost their ancestral lands already. There's like a, a handful of folks that are, are clinging to their, their life down there and their homes have been destroyed and they want to stay on their property. They want to stay on their land. And so now it's like, well, how do we get folks housed? How do we help folks rebuild in a way that when next year's hurricane comes, they're not going to be in the same position that they were um, because the next hurricane is coming, right? Like we know that there's going to be another hurricane. And so one of the things we're doing in the Disaster Justice Network, which was founded by Shirley Laska and uh, Chris Peterson, both sociologists from UNO, right? Who, who you know, David. Yep. Um, yes. One of the big things that we're doing right now is, is working on educating people on how to build back sustainably. So we're like actually teaching people how to rebuild their roofs in a way so that next year their roof may not fly off, right? Um, and so that's one of the things that sociologists do too, right? Is that we we really help people access their agency. That's a sociological term, right? But we help people be able to affect their lives through their own action. Um, and so, you know, that's, you know, um, one of the things that I've been involved in as a, as a sociologist with, with yeah. Hurricane Ida. Yeah. You know, well, that's really, you know, that, that, that just made me think, man, we need to get uh, Shirley and or Chris and somebody from Ilda Jean Charles on here. Yeah, yeah we're going to, I'm working on it. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're definitely cool. going to get, um, you know, some, some cool folks here to, to chat with us. And maybe that might be a good place for us to transition, right? So we've got this podcast. Y'all just got to listen to, to David and I chat a little bit about, you know, 
how we became sociology professors and what sociology is and maybe why you should even study sociology but you know what can can folks expect from uh, this podcast <laughs> well you know i think we're going to we're going to we're going to just run the gamut right <laughs> so you know uh, it could be it could be what we're going to we're going to get all of our colleagues in our department to uh, uh, do a podcast and it might be about what they're into research wise, teaching wise. Uh, we'll hear from the student groups that we have in our department. Reconnect is the environmental uh, student group. I'm faculty advisor to stand out as the LGBTQ uh, group. Who Are you still? Well, standout doesn't exist anymore, but there's a new LGBT group called Lavender Lions that's trying to come online, and I'm going to be <laughs> advising right. them. But right. yeah, all right, you know. all right, all right. Um, right. That's the nature of student groups, right? Yeah, yeah. We got the SSA Student Sociology uh, Club for students. Uh, you know, so, um, but we'll also be just talking about really topical uh, stuff. You know, like Hurricane Ida. Right. Well, you know, what is going on that 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 students or and that people in the community that people are thinking about right now and that's uh, going on, you know. So on that note, you know, we'll be asking students, you know, what do you want us to talk about? Right. What do you want to hear about on here? You know, it might be about it might be, might be about uh, the BLM movement and, uh, you know, and racial justice. Right. Uh, and what's going on at the moment with that? You know, uh, it might be about me, too. Right. Or whatever's going on with gender stuff at the moment. You know, uh, it might be about, you know, the legacy of Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. You know, whatever is going on. Right. Um, you know, we'll be. Uh, you know, diving into. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, the, the things is that our department, um, we're sociology and criminal justice, but we've also got geographers. We've got anthropo an anthropologist. Um, so within our department, our faculty are really knowledgeable on a range of issues. Right. And we're doing really cool things in our classrooms. Um, <clears throat> I mean, David, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a farmer's market on campus, right? Like, you know, you supporting students to do that work. Um, you and I both have taken students on study abroad, study away trips. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of really cool things that are happening in the sociology department. And we just want to take some time to, to talk about <laughs> the cool things that we're doing and, and help folks get to know the people in our department. Because, you know, one of the things that we've heard as professors is that students are maybe intimidated to come to our office hours, things like that. And you know, as you can see, we're we're pretty nice, <laughs> pretty nice people. Right. Um, and the other thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to be bringing on like our some of our alumni that are doing some really cool work. It's just going to be an opportunity uh, for folks to learn more about what's happening in the sociology department yeah. and to begin to apply that sociological perspective to issues that are happening in the world, and also let you know about some you know things, events, and stuff that we're doing yeah. as a department. And so. Um, you know, it's advising time. <laughs> Many students are registering for their classes. And so, um, David, what are some courses that you're going to be teaching next? Ah, let's see. Is... So, uh, I'll be teaching mm -hmm. in my environmental sociology class, mm -hmm. it's kind of my flagship class. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, 
you know, I, I just have really good fun teaching uh, that class as well as the other uh, environmental classes I teach. Uh, and that's going to be an online class, uh, but it will have some optional um, um, virtual meetings. And I'm teaching uh, two sections of social problems, which is always a good, fun course, you know, race, gender, economy, politics, right? Uh, terrorism, right? Oh, and war, right? So uh, lots of stuff going on, environment, environmental stuff. Um, and I'm teaching sociology of religion. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. See, I mean, there's there's so many options that you could just take courses with with David, yeah. with Dr. Burley, right? Like really cool subject matter courses. And you're going to be teaching some pretty cool classes. Yeah. Um, right. Before I brag about myself, though, I just right. want to say it's really cool that in your your online class that you're going to have those optional meetings for students. Because um, I've been getting more and more requests. I teach race and ethnic relations online. Um, I've been teaching sexuality online and students students are now starting to ask for, you know, can we have like a class Zoom session? I really want to talk to my peers. And in the past, people were really resistant of that, right? So it's it's really cool that, that you're integrating that in your class because, you know, I think it can be lonely teaching an online class or taking yeah. an online class and not getting to, to talk to anybody about the cool stuff you're learning. Um, I'm teaching a new course next semester called Yoga Inequality and Social Justice. I'm really excited about um we're going to be thinking about how do we uh like first of all we're starting a, uh, to examine like social inequality what is that and where does it come from right and then thinking about how does yoga philosophy and yoga practices how can that be integrated into social justice movements to improve you know uh some of the challenges that we're facing in the world we're gonna you know they'll be doing we'll do some yoga classical what people imagine to be yoga um, but there's going to be a lot of emphasis on, you know, how do we take these practices and how do they inform social justice? Yesterday, I, I recorded a panel with uh, some really amazing yoga teachers and activists that'll be available for students soon. But I'm going to I've got three different guest speakers that are going to be coming in um, and meeting with students and talking about how their yoga practice informs their activism and, and how their activism informs their yoga. So it's, it's going to be a really cool class. I'm really excited to teach it. Um, I'm also teaching race and ethnic relations, which is, you know, um, a course that everyone <laughs> should take in their life. Um, what else do I have next semester? I'm teaching globalization and social change. Um, you're hearing so much about supply chain issues right now. You're probably hearing it's going to be hard to get your Christmas presents or there may not be enough turkey for Thanksgiving. Uh, well, this course on globalization and social change will really kind of highlight some of that. Um, and I'm teaching uh, research methods online, which is, you know, maybe not as exciting of a course. But if you want to understand, like we statistics are around us everywhere these days. You watch the news and they're talking about, you know, 45 percent of, of people support this person or like in our research methods class, you're going to learn about how those numbers get created so that you can more it. critically evaluate the numbers that you're getting. Um, but there's also other really cool classes that are going to be happening next semester as well. And especially if you're interested in issues of disaster, Dr. Youngman is going to be teaching uh, her disasters course. I think she's got sociology of gender next semester as well. Um, 
think medical sociology is happening yep. next semester. Yep. And so yep. Dr. Martin's going to talk a lot about how, you know, the pandemic has, has affected our lives and all of that. So there's a lot of really, um, really interesting courses that students can take with us um, beyond the, you know, social 101 or, or even social problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah. what I was advising a student uh, online the uh, yesterday, I think it was. And uh, she has she except for foreign language she's got everything else taken care of except for her social classes so for the next like year she's going to be taking nothing but social classes i was like well this is going to be fun for you you know because it's like all the fun you know the fun cool classes that you're interested in you know and you yeah. you got everything else done you know yeah and and we've got new courses in the pipeline as well right so I think we've got like a social media course coming up. We've got a uh, sociology of sports course that's going to be coming up. Um, Dr. Tookshorn is has created a film course that that she's taught this semester. And so sometimes I get jealous and I wish like I could yeah. just <laughs> take these courses, right? You know. Um, but you know that's that's just me uh, being a nerdy uh, sociologist. Um, but yeah, uh, before we wrap up, David, is there anything else you want to share with uh, our listeners? Uh, let them know I think been that's up about to it, man. You know, final thoughts. Give uh, give academics a chance, and you know we'll make the, you know we'll talk all day. This could be an eight-hour podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely, we, we love to talk, folks. <laughs> yeah, definitely a marathon. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, this is going to be a semi-regular thing, especially starting in uh, the spring semester. I think we're we're shooting for at least two episodes a month, uh, and so stay tuned for all of that. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you know, definitely follow us on social media. Um, we're on Facebook. Uh, on Facebook, if you, you search for um, Sociology and Criminal Justice Southeastern, you'll find us. Yeah, um, uh, you know, South, we're on Southeastern SCJ. So yeah, that's our Instagram too, right? CJ, yep. Um, and what we'll do is we'll include links to our, our social media in like the description of this video and we'll include it on uh, any show notes page that might be yeah. associated with the podcast. Yeah. And so definitely, you know, we all find it on media. our website and it's going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to yeah. be fun. Good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. I had a really great time uh, chatting with you today, David. Yeah. Thank you. Likewise. So cool. We'll uh, talk to y'all soon. All right. Bye, folks. Thank you.